Notes from the Upper West Side, a novel by Dan Wrench. Chapter 112, Da I'm thinking, ten bucks for the extra fluffy pipe cleaners and 30 bucks for a small tub of tobacco, and 90 bucks for a pipe? No joke, that was the cheapest pipe I could find. 90 bucks. Made of briar. Fuck. Briar. Who knew? Maybe I should start growing it on my fire escape as a side hustle. So... 130 bucks for a starter kit at Whispers on 6th. And that was without any frills like the cool wooden tobacco jugs or the tampers or the lighters. When the law and procedure guy left the store with his box of producto de sweatshop, I walked up to the quaff and blouse chick. I was thinking how I could be asking for this stuff or for the price of that stuff or making her giggle with my affable newbiness, but it was demoralizing. 130 bucks just to take a bite. So when I got to the counter and she said, Can I help you? All that came out of my mouth was, Yeah, is Bobby in? And she gave me this smile and looked me over in this way that made me think, Hey, maybe she's by. He's in the back, she said. May I tell him who's calling? But I wasn't calling. I was standing right there. So, she's an idiot, I thought. Yeah, I'm Paul from the shoot. He'll remember. Little round Jewish hat. She gave me an even bigger smile. Oh, she said. Wait a second, will you? Sure, I said. I watched her legs go to the door. Nice calves. She was wearing this pleated and plaid but not wool skirt down to her knees. I was thinking her underwear might be cupless and crotchless and that the building might have a little room in the back where the dykes could grapple on their brakes. I looked around. Yep, just me. Middle of New York and they're convinced no one is going to come in and grab stuff off the counter and run. I was just a few seconds into the aforementioned grappling dyke's reverie when the door to the back opened again and the quaff and blouse chick, whose name I later learned was Fonda, stepped out and smiled at me and said, Mr. Whispers will see you now. Like he was a doctor or something. I gig cackled. Where I come from, we call him Bobsta. <laughs> She kept the smile plastered on her face, but the look she gave me said Bobsta was the sort of nickname her dad might give to an always cheerful but cognitively challenged garage mechanic. I crossed her off my list and smiled back at her to be polite. Then I stepped into the back room and saw it was kind of a vestibule with office stuff in it. A desk, a copier, a coat rack... Standing in another open door at the back of this room and across from me was Whispers, looking like he always did. Tall, wearing a t-shirt and three days of stubble. 
He was laughing this low chuckle. <laughs> well, if it ain't the producer, he said with a big grin on his face. How you doing, producer? I knew something was off, but it took me a second to notice he was pronouncing the word Pedusa. What an asshole. Hey, um, Bobby, I said. I wasn't expecting him to be all welcome homey or anything, but hey, I thought we were friends. Now it looked like he was ragging on me. I, I was talking to Parp. And he reminded me about this tobacco you make, and he said people were coming down to help you meet the demand, and I was wondering if you could use me. He just stood in the doorway, grinning, so I kept talking. To help out, I mean. I know why you're here. Parp told me you might be coming by. Still looking for a groupie to bone, huh? I gig cackled really loud, like this is the sort of thing men say to each other all the time. <laughs> groupie bone! <laughs> He just stared at me, still grinning. Guess that's pretty funny, he said. So you want to look around and see if you can find a place to stick your cock? It was like my face had been slapped. I stopped laughing that fast. Never mind, I said. Fuck this. Harp calls up his pal and tells him my reason for coming down here, and now this pal is twisting a screwdriver in my back. And it was Parp who suggested I show up. He was the one who insinuated I might get another shot at bawling Cynthia. And now Whispers was shoveling shit on me practically in public. I mean, I didn't know if the coiffed babe, Fonda, from the front room could hear, and I didn't know who was behind him in the other room. But hey, he couldn't be a little discreet? I turned around to go. Hey, hey, he said. I stopped and without turning looked back in his direction. Fact is, I'd be interested in having you help out. Getting a lot of orders in, but listen. He closed the door to the other room and came right up close to me and was kind of smiling, but not big like before. Here's the deal, Paul. You want to fuck somebody here? I don't care. Take your shot. I'd like it if you helped out anyway and listen. I'm going to keep calling you the producer until you pay up to be a producer. Okay? You got a lot of mileage out of everybody thinking you produced that video or helped produce it. So until you pay up, I'm going to keep calling you the producer. Just like that. And when anybody asks me why, I'm going to tell them. I didn't get that much mileage out of it. He just stared at me. Listen, I said, I was pretty sure I paid part for that. Pretty sure I gave him the check. Are, are you saying that he just started laughing so I shut up? <laughs> Pay up, Paul, he said. Notes from the Upper West Side is a work of fiction. The people depicted in this work do not exist. Notes from the Upper West Side, copyright 2022, by Dan Wrench.